Hallelujah. I want to share with you this morning on the idea of the Father's heart. And, uh, you know, many of you are probably concerned because I'm sitting down and you're like, what is he doing? This guy don't ever sit down. But um, I just want to talk to you this morning. just want to share my heart about the heart of the Father with you this morning. I'm going to be very brief. You'll get out of here in a decent time because I want you to spend the rest of your day with your families. Some of you have got your daddies here, and I'm so thankful that you brought your daddies with you. And uh, so thankful that they're with you. Enjoy them. My father probably is watching online as he does every, every uh, week. And my mama and dad, I love you. Happy Father's Day. Thank you for being the dad that you've been and always giving uh, to me to have everything that I had. I appreciate you and I love you. I want to talk to you, though, about the father's heart, but a little bit about the father's heart. One night, uh, I'll start off with a little story. One night, a wife... Um, rolled over in bed and realized that her husband was no longer there. And uh, it was in the early morning hours in the late part of the night. She couldn't find him. They had just recently had a child. So she walks down the hall and goes into the nursery. There is the father of this child standing over this crib. And he's piercing, just glistening, looking into this crib. And in this moment, the wife stops, and she's just amazed at how captivated he is and how he's just piercing into this crib. And she looks at him, and she says, it's amazing, isn't it? He said, you know, I was thinking exactly that. How did they make a crib for $49.99? Oh, Jesus. Luke 15, turn with me to Luke 15. <laughs> Y'all didn't know I was coming for you like that this morning. Luke 15 and 20, just remain seated. And he arose and came to the, his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. We're going all the way to verse 24. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're going to share with your people this morning. Father, I ask that you would help me to properly articulate your heart towards your children. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said, Amen. Luke 15 is an excerpt of the prodigal son. It's a story in the Bible about a tale of two brothers, uh, a father uh, that seems to have quite the estate, uh, so much so that the Bible says that he takes him, one of his sons, wanting his inheritance early, asks the father for it. The father, being a good father, gives him his inheritance before he dies. And yet that son, the Bible says, takes that inheritance and goes into a foreign land. And with loose, wild, crazy living, he squanders it. Every dollar is gone. He's broken. He's busted. He's disgusted. He's left without any hope. He's in a journey, he's journeyed to a foreign land. 
land and he doesn't even know if he's going to be able to get back. But here in Luke 15 and 20, the story picks up and what we find is that this son went and squandered his inheritance. It got so bad at one time, he was actually working for a hog farmer and he was living with hogs. He was sleeping in the hog pit. But here's the really bad part. He was even eating the hog food. He was rolling around in hog slop. He was he here he was somebody at one time that had that had an inheritance, somebody that had money, that had a father that loved him, that had that had a family, but he had squandered everything that was given to him. He had loosened it on a world that would take as much of it that he would give. And the Bible says that one day he had come to himself eating hog slop, living there with the hogs. He realizes in my father's house, there's bread. He said, even my father's servants are eating better than me. But I'm a son, but the father's servants are eating better than me. And the Bible says that one day he comes to himself. One day he comes to a place where he says enough is enough and it's time for a change. I can't live here anymore going through what I'm going through, doing what I'm doing and expecting that my life is going to get any better. And it's here on this road that we find the heart of the Father. And I want to share some points with you about the heart of the Father. The first thing that I need you to understand in verse 20, go to verse 20, says that the Father heart seeks. Watch. It says, and he arose and came to his Father. But while he was still a long way off, his Father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Here's my question. Why was the father looking? Because he loved his son. The heart of the father, I guarantee daddy kept doing his dealings. He kept running the farm. He, the Bible says that his older brother stayed there. Business carried on as usual. But I don't believe that there was ever a moment that daddy walked on the porch that he didn't look down the road. I don't believe there was ever a moment that daddy, maybe he was working in the yard that every once in a while he wouldn't look up and look down the road. But oh, this day, oh, hallelujah, this day here the father looks and the Bible says while he was still a great way off, his daddy looks, there's a silhouette coming up the road there, the moment that he had been looking for, the vision that he had probably envisioned thousands of times before, now it's reality. Here comes his son up the road, coming back to the father's house, coming back to the heart of the father. Because we know that the heart of the father is a heart that seeks. So much so in Luke 19 and verse 10, it says that the son of man, Jesus, came to seek and save that which was lost. What did Jesus come for? He came for a bunch of people that had spent their life in hog pits that had squandered everything that God wanted to give them. What did Jesus come for? He came to put his eyes on a road and so for anybody that wanted to come home, he said, come home. I'm going to run to where you are. I'm going to have compassion. I'm going to love you right where you are. See, 
As the father watched for his son, so God longs for us. His heart is turned towards us. We can have faith that no matter what we've done, God wants us. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm emotional this morning, man. Probably look like a basket case. I don't care. We can be confident, man, that no matter what we've done, God wants us. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God's heart towards you is, when are they coming home? Where are they? Where are my sons? Where are my daughters? Where are my ones that I love, that my eyes are forever on the road? Where are my sons? Where are my daughters? The second thing that I want you to know about the Father's heart is the Father has a heart that receives. Going back into verse 20, it says, And he had compassion and ran and fell on his neck. And kissed him. See, when scripture says that the father embraced him and kissed him, it literally means that he kissed him repeatedly. Kai, Kai, come here. I know this is on the whim. Come here. Come here, buddy. Kai. Kai. It, I mean, hey, you come here. You come here too. Let me just love you real quick. <laughs> I love summer. Kai, Kai, come here. Hold on, hold on. Watch, I want to do something. We're going to do something. This is kind of on the whim, okay? You're going to help me preach this morning. Can you help me do this? No? Okay. I bet you will. I bet you will. Show them how you run. Come here. Run and jump in my arms. Come on. Run, 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 run. And the Bible says that he ran to him, met him, and guess what? It says that he kissed him. It kissed him. He kissed him repeatedly because it's the father's love. He smothered him with love. And that's the heart of God towards y'all. That you need to understand that he has a heart that receives you. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. All God is looking for is he's looking for that run. Give Kai a great hand clap. Great preaching this morning, Kai Kai. Great preaching this morning. When scripture says that the father embraced him and kissed him, it literally means that he kissed him repeatedly. The heart of love, welcome, and acceptance was what was on on demonstration because God understands that he has to demonstrate his love and acceptance to us. I want you to know God demonstrated his love for us. That while we were yet sinners, hold on, I'm going to help you all this morning. That Christ Jesus came and died for us. Watch. While we were still yet a great ways off. The Bible says when the father saw the son coming up the road. And while, go to verse 20. And when he saw him, he, he, he saw him and felt compassion. He ran and embraced him and kissed him. Listen, while he was still a great way off, the father ran to where the son is. I need you to catch something. The Bible doesn't say that daddy stood there with an I told you so attitude. He didn't stand on the porch with his nose lifted up. He said, that's my son. And he took off running. And he said, I ain't even going to wait for you to get all the way home I'm going to meet you where you are I'm going to meet you where you are 
God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died. God ran before we ever got home. God ran before we ever got home. Now watch this. The Bible says that he ran. This is something I need you to understand. In, in, in Jewish culture and in Hebrewic law, it was not custom for men to run. It would have actually been considered shameful. The reason why is because men would have wore robes, and yet when they ran, it would have exposed their legs. In, in, in the custom of that day, it would have been considered shameful for a man to be seen running. But here, watch this. The Bible says that when the father saw the son, yet... Coming up the road, he ran to where he was. What did he do? He would have literally lifted his robe and he would have begun to run. Watch, watch, watch. Jesus took our shame. Because the Father said, I'm going to run to you so you don't have to run to me. You're already coming with enough shame. Now I'm going to carry shame for you. You're not going to have to run to get home. I'm going to, I'm going to become, he became sin who knew no sin. He took on our shame that we might be called the righteousness of God. He took our propitiation. He took our portion. He took it on him so that we could take his. It's the gospel. The heart of the father receives. Not only did the father take his son, he welcomed him. There was no hesitation at all. It wasn't I told you so. It was this is my son who was dead but now lives again. He was lost but now he's found. This is the heart of the father. Romans 15 and 7 says, Therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Let me tell you something. Why is church a no-judgment zone? I'll tell you why it's a no-judgment zone. Because you're here. Why is it a no-judgment zone? Because you're here. And my God, if you're here, then anybody else in the world should be welcome here. So receive one another just as Christ Jesus received us. The reason why I don't have a spirit of rejection, nor can I reject anybody, I don't care, drug addict, prostitute, drunk, it doesn't matter, businessman, doctor, lawyer, the reason why I got to receive them is because I was received. The heart of the Father says, I'm going to receive you. I'm not going to reject you. The world rejected you. But in my home and in my house, you'll have reception. The last thing that I want to tell you is the heart of the Father restores. In verse 22, he says, bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. See, the robe was a symbol of identity. Catch this. He said, bring out the best robe. He didn't say, bring out the bathrobe. Hold on, because some of you really got, you're not fully tracking me. I need you to track this. You understand that he did just get out of the hog trough. He still would have hog crap on him. We do realize that, right? Before the father embraced him, there was never a moment that he said, hey, go take a shower real quick. Oh, y'all ain't ready for this. See, but in the church... When they come in and they smell like the world, 
We won't hug them because we want them to get a shower first. We want, oh, come on. We want that girl to button up her shirt so we don't see no cleavage. And we're too busy. I can't believe she wore that to church. Let me tell you something, bro. While you're busy judging, the father's wanting to adorn them with a robe. Not just any robe, but the best robe. He said, get the best robe. Get the best robe. Because that robe symbolized identity, prestige, and honor. And then he said, get a ring. I love the fact that it wasn't a wedding ring. It wasn't, a, you know, wasn't just some ring that daddy had laying around the house. Once again, culturally, see, the problem is we look at everything through the Western civilization eyes. Literally, in biblical times, they had things that were called rings or seals, family seals. And that ring would have been the family seal ring. Literally, every family would have had an, a, a logo, an emblem, a family seal. It would have been, if you saw that seal, it would have been that seal that would have been on cattle. It would have been that seal that would have been branded on legal documentation. But here's the thing. The ring was literally an insignia that they would stamp in ink. And when, when, they, when they went to the market, rather than write checks and money, uh, if you had that ring, you bought, made purchases with that ring. Watch. He said, get a robe, get the best robe, and get a ring. The ring reiterated and gave him the right to exercise authority in all commercial and legal matters. It represented the full weight of whatever authority or power that his family name carried. The father in one action was telling him, give him his robe of, 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 of identity, but yet don't just give him identity, restore back to him the authority. Amen. Listen to me, listen to me. When you walk away from God and you walk away from the things of God and you begin to squander your identity, the moment that you make up your heart to come home to the Father, He doesn't shame you. He welcomes you. He puts on the best robe. He'll embrace you with love. And not only that, He restores authority back to you. Now all of a sudden, what you bind on the earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loosen on the earth is loosened in heaven. Now all of a sudden, you're casting out devils that you use to entertain and after you first uh, Peter 5 and 10 first Peter 5 and 10 says and after you've suffered a little while the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore confirm strengthen and establish you when does that happen? Often after we've suffered a little while. Listen to me. Some of you under the sound of my voice, you're suffering today. You've went through suffering. You've suffered spiritual battle. You've suffered loss. You've suffered identity crises. You've suffered depression. You've suffered pain. You've suffered hurt. You've suffered all kinds of disappointment. Guess what the promise of suffering is? That the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory. You may be suffering, but there's still a grace on your life. Like he told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. You may feel like you're not going to make it, but I want to encourage you, you're going to make it because his hand is on your life. He's fighting for you. He's warring for you. He's praying for you. He's encouraging you. He is strengthening you. 
says the God of his eternal glory in Christ, he himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. The last thing is that the Father's heart rejoices. Verse 22 through 24. He said, and put sandals on his feet. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Zephaniah 3 and 17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. And he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. And he will exalt you over, over you with loud singing. I want to tell you this morning that there's people here under the sound of my voice and the reality of it is is that what you've thought is God is some God with a, with a belt, with a bat, with a board, waiting to beat you when you surrender your life to him. Take it from firsthand experience. Take it on an account of an eyewitness account. He had every reason to, to beat me. He had every reason to reject me. He had every reason to put me out. He had every reason to walk away from me. I didn't want God, didn't want anything to do with God. The only time I used his name sure wasn't in prayer. It was typically in cussing somebody out. I wanted nothing to do with God. God was the furthest thing from my mind. But yet in that moment, he was a God of reception. He was a God of rejoicing. He was a God of revival. He was a God of restoration. He came to where I was. I didn't even make it to church. He found me with a line of coke on the table. He found me as far away from Jesus as I could be. But he sent a man in there to tell me how much Jesus loved me. He met me on a road called life. And it was there that my life began to rapidly begin to change. I'm closing. Father's Day is today. And I want you to know that we cannot have the Father's heart without the one that makes it possible. You know, the reality of it is sometimes I suck as a dad. And I know some of y'all don't like that word, but I don't know another adequate word to tell you how bad I feel as a dad sometimes. And man, when I look at my heavenly father and I see my prayer is, God, just let me be the daddy like you've been to me. Because there's moments that my earthly dad wasn't there. There's moments that my earthly dad couldn't do. And not a mark against him, not a hit against him, nothing against him. But there's moments that when my heavenly father was willing, I didn't do. I didn't do the right thing. I didn't follow him. I didn't, I didn't pursue him. I didn't chase after him. And I'm so thankful that we serve a God that has a heart that is watching the road. Yes. He's longing to see you come home. He's longing to see you restored. He's longing to see you renewed. He's longing to see you revived. He's longing to rejoice over you. Stand with me all over this house. You know, one of the memories I constantly have in my house, and I've yelled at him every time. <laughs> if I leave my shoes around, my kids put my shoes on, and they want to walk around in them. I've got pictures on my phone of Harper, Adley, and Kai standing in my shoes. You know, I was thinking about that this morning. I want to have a pair of shoes that I'm okay with them walking in. 
I want a pair of shoes that if they were to get in and walk, that those shoes would lead them to Jesus. That those shoes would lead them, lead them to a Father that, that restores, that rejoices, that revives, and that renews. I want a pair of shoes that if, my, if I were to leave here today and Kai Davidson Meyer had to walk it out in my shoes, if he had to build my shoes, I want a pair of shoes left that would walk him right to the Father's house. Daddies, if your kids were to stand in your shoes, where would they walk? they go what would they see what would they do the Bible's clear in John 5 and 19 he said truly truly I say unto you the son can do nothing of his own accord but only what he sees the father doing for whatever the father does the son will do likewise Daddies, that's a promise to us that what our kids see us do, they'll do likewise. God, help me to be a man that prays more. Help me to be a daddy that they don't see me addicted to a phone, but they see me addicted to his word. Help me to be a husband that loves my wife so well in front of them that Harper and Adley won't settle for any less than a man that loves God and loves them. Help me to be a man that walks things out in front of Kai, that Kai knows what's right and he knows what's wrong and he knows how to do it because his daddy lived it out in front of him. God, keep Jamie and I's marriage safe from divorce. Keep us safe from adultery. Keep us safe from the temptations and trappings of this world so I don't have to take my children and explain to them how their mama caught me in bed with another woman. Come on, somebody. I want to live a life that if my kids were to get in my shoes, that they could walk and it would take them right straight to Jesus. Father, I feel you here. I feel you here. I feel you here, Father. Father, I thank you for men that are broken this morning. Because God, in our weakness, your strength is made perfect. Father, I ask you this morning that we would be men that know who you are and teach our children about you in such a way, Lord, they live it out in their own lives. Not religion crammed down their throats, but relationships with you, Jesus, knowing you like how we know you, knowing you and leading them to you. Father, help us to be the men that you've called us to be.